And when you're ready, you will just stop. Like I did. It took me a lot of poking and prodding and understanding and reading and spending time with you. And I went, hey. Welcome to Series 2 of the One Year No Beer Podcast. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, then hit that button so you don't miss another episode. Welcome to another fantastic... Well, I don't know. Let's find it out. Let's be. find out. <laughs> Hopefully... A good episode, <laughs> a an average <laughs> chat of the One Year No Beer podcast. Uh, this one is slightly unusual, um, and not just the guest, just all the content. Today, I'm joined by Dan Boyer, Boyer Bowyer. I, however, Dan, Danny however. Boy, um, who uh, is a partner at Superseed VC. Yes, um, but also a very good friend of mine. Um, we've known each other for how many years? Blah, 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 blah. 15, 20 years? 15, yeah. 20 years? Many. In our drinking days. <laughs> back in the days. Yeah. Back yeah. in the days. So Dan's purely here just to put me to shame with the truth. <laughs> <laughs> How much truth? I'm going to shame you as well. How much truth are we allowed? <laughs> so um, thank you for joining us on the podcast, Dan. Yeah, pleasure. Loving what you're doing. Love one, you know, beer. Love it, love it. As you know, in fact, just to, just to, just to I'm get up. rid of these names. I think the, um, I think you are the instigator of my alcohol freeness i think i think our initial conversations we first started talking about the business and we would spend time together i think it's those conversations speaking about it in the first person and also through the product as a third person going, i think it's my my time to to change my relationship with booze so thank you i whittled you down you did. You did. <laughs> I think there's, there's, there, it was definitely a, a massive uh, reflection point when we first started talking about the business. How What was that, five, six, seven years ago? Yeah. A long time ago. No, well, you were right at the beginning. I mean, that's nine years ago. I, this has goodness. been eight years in existence. We right. were getting together. Remember? Pre, pre, yeah. Pre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got this idea. I want to do this amazing thing. Oh, my God, Ruba! <laughs> So yeah, so and so that was that was the beginning, and then I gave up booze. It would have been three years ago this month. Woohoo! So I've been booze free, yeah, since then. And that that it took obviously nine years, and there were six years, and then I stopped for a month, stopped for three months, then kept, went back, and then stopped for six months, then went back. And then I remember to the day, I was at a friend's. It was about yeah, it was February. It was the beginning of February. I was at a stag do, and I remember buying a pint of Guinness, and I remember going looking at the pint and going. This is my last one. This is my last drink. And I there was not a, a pressure or an, a thing. I just went, oh, that's it. I'm, I'm now no longer drinking anymore. Um, and I, I remember finishing it and really enjoying it because I used to love Guinness and, and whiskey and red wine. I remember finishing it and going, okay. And that's it. And that was done. Amazing. And, and yeah, I've been, never been happier, healthier, more thoughtful, sparkier, more aware and loving it. So down to you yes um and it is i think it's i think it's difficult to be my friend and well that cool stop. <laughs> yeah she just stopped there and end, so end, end, end pod yeah <clears throat> no that's true as well it's diff difficult to be my friend and not consider your relationship with alcohol yeah um no you don't you don't hold any prisoners i don't yeah no don't don't pull any punches and um it's because i feel so incredibly passionate about it because I see exactly what you're saying. Um, what you're saying is your own discovery is that, oh, yeah, when you finally discovered it, you're like, yeah, I'm done. This is I, what? I, yeah. out. Um, and it's like what I feel is it's it, within me to get somebody to realize that. Yes. And so part of me feels incredibly frustrated when I can't. Yes. Right. You know, when, when, I, when what does it take for me to meet a human being and then get them to see who they are? ultimately will become which is like i don't really want to drink just give them time and it, it's, it's an inertia it, there's an inertia there's this pregnant inertia period between being ruried and <laughs> and, and and getting to your own conclusion because what and i said this to you outside i said what i love about you is your passion and your verve and your zeal for the topic but you don't need to nag you don't need to poke people you don't need to be in there for all you need to do is 
share and share other people's stories and share your stories and and people through that inertia period will get to their own conclusion there isn't one gathering that i go to where somebody doesn't pull me aside and go you don't drink anymore do you how did you do it mm. why did you do it what's the secret or and it normally it's about 9 nine thirty, and i can normally time it we get to the venue whatever seven and we have our dinner people start drinking oh my god i'm amazing and start repeating themselves and going through the usual bullshit 9 nine thirty. And they pull me aside. How did you do this? How did you quit? What was the thing? And I, you know, I share, I share my story and our story. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to get into your story um, soon. But um, when you say that, I, I'll give you an example. I was speaking to one of our, our members recently, and they said that this is under a different method. They, they've paid money for a method to help them with their pretty heavy drinking. And the method is that they're being given a drug called naltrexone. Um, which should eliminate the cravings and stop. But because they drink quite a lot, they're carrying on drinking through it. And the method is that in the next two years, if you haven't stopped drinking or reduced your drinking by taking this drug, then come back to us and we'll take you to the right. So you talk there. Yeah, that face, surprised. Okay, this is this is real stuff that goes on out in the world out there. Yeah. You talk about don't do anything. No, I am unbelievably passionate about discovering what it is, mm. whether it's technology, whether it is wearables, whether it is a certain kind of word I say, or some kind of thing I can do, something I can do to shortcut that thing, mm -hmm. because I know how much pain is in that thing. The gap between I realize I'm drinking too much or I want to change it, and the moment when you do change, that's a painful journey for many, many people of ups mm. and downs and ins and outs and everything else mm -hmm. that could be avoided if I can find a way to persuade, educate, inform yeah, them earlier. It's your mission. That's what, that's what you're on this planet to do. Exactly. But so I, the best piece of advice I was ever given, and it's, it's related but not, was it's not that you can't do something, it's that you're actively choosing something else. Exactly, 100%. And that, was, uh, that relates to alcohol or drugs 100%. or food or wherever, wherever you're stuck. It, and I would say, oh, well, I can't, I can't do this thing. Or, like, to me, having, having romantic relationships was, I can't, I'm not designed to have deep, long-term romantic relationships because I'm a dirty mofo and I like doing whatever I want to do. I'm just choosing something else. Mm. So that was, that's, I think, was always resonated with me. Yes. Um, well, let's <clears throat> let's let's go back into a bit of um, Dan. <laughs> um, tell us about how Dan came to be. You, you, oh, bloody hell, yeah. Um, I don't know how far back you want to go. <laughs> well, back uh, to black and white. <laughs> are we? Uh, are we? Uh, give so, a give a little skr skim through background. Okay, so, so the very the ver the the six the sixty second. Uh, so born in the asshole of South London in nineteen seventy two to a uh, broken white trash family. Love and bless them, whatever. Lovely. Um, Hi, mom. If you're watching, I, <laughs> yeah, dra dragged up in Croydon. Um, didn't have a pot to piss and then uh, went to school my mum uh, took me to a tutor ended up going to a very good school called Trinity which is on the outskirts of Croydon and um, hung around with very lovely middle class and very wealthy upper class kids and I was the, the scrote with the um, with the with the, the vouchers for, for the canteen because mum couldn't afford to feed us and then um, when I was leaving school I was dating a girl who's uh, sister was a photographer who knew a very famous photographer and i started modeling and um uh with models one and whoa 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 whoa, whoa. right so somebody catches up and you like you look pretty and you should do modeling or how did this she i i was working i used to build paintball guns for a paintball site called skirmish and and sam the, who i started dating they her and her sister came down and played paintball and then we start, and then we were hanging out and then they were taking some photographs and then this is obviously pre-digital stuff. And then uh, this other famous photographer, I think her name was Amanda Bibby or something. She was a Vogue photographer. Saw some pictures of me and Sam said, oh, you should do modeling. I was like, no, I don't really want to do that. Um, and I remember going home to see my mum. She said, well, why don't you do it? I, was, I just feel a bit embarrassed. You know, I'm 16 years old. I don't want to do this. And she said, well, just go for it. What, you know, what's to lose? Yeah. So I went up and saw, um, uh, went up to Models once. So I went up there. I was asked to go to this casting. Um, uh, and uh, and Davina McCall ended up being my agent. Wow! Because she was an agent at Models One, 
And then she would introduce me to like people like Kylie Minogue and we'd go party. I'm 16, nearly 17 and do all these crazy things as a very young man and being introduced to these amazing people. And I was, I did this tights commercial. Um, Were you in the with tights? Lionel Blair was in the tights with Lionel Blair's daughter, Lucy Blair, I think her name was. She was a, she was a sweetie, she was mad as a snake, but I love she was a sweetie. You know, so we, we did this tight and I was paid like three grand a day and I'm 16 years old <laughs> for three days. I'm standing in the Hippodrome um, watching girls, pretty girls in tights. And that was, that was the commercial. This is, I'm, I'm so glad I did this. <laughs> wow. This <is> genius. <laughs> you know, a year later when, uh, so 17 years old, a year later got asked to go for a casting, which ended up being for a, uh, a band. And I didn't know it was a band. I thought it was a pop video. And I was like, sure. I, I was always told to go, whenever you ask to go for something, you just go for it and have, yeah. a, have, a, have a bash. And then, uh, ended up being for a band and it was Simon Cowell's first boy band. And, and, Spent for a couple of auditions. I've got two left feet and I can't sing a note. And then Is it you're in. I went you're in. You're, yeah. I can milk you. And then um So I hope you don't mind. You're gonna be in, but we're gonna turn your microphone off. Yes. <laughs> the irony was in those days you had to sing live because there was a really anti-boy band thing. So they right. made you sing live on top of the pops and blue peach and all these kids' TV shows. But anyway, so um I said, I'm I'm not sure. And he said, Well, if you need to learn how to do these things, we'll teach you. So I said, okay, fine. So we spent a year in dance schools and singing training and doing all this stuff. And then I was in the band four years. And then I hated it. I just like What was the band called? It's called Worlds Apart. Worlds and it was a, Apart. it was a semi-successful band. I mean, we had four or five top forty singles in the UK and a top ten album. So it, it's so cool. Some people would know of it, but it was just awful, crappy boy band pop music in the early nineties. But yeah. what a wonderful experience. I mean, yeah. amazing experience. But I realised that, you know, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and I couldn't do it. So I left the band in 94. Yeah. And um, then what do you do once you've been in a band? You've been a model from school when you're earning more money than people that had left school while you're at school. And then you're in a band and you're earning all this money and travelling the world and being fabulous. And then all of a sudden you're out and you're in. I had to leave all the money in the account and they closed all my accounts and they took all the money back because I was still, I still owed the record company loads of money. Mm. So you can leave, but you have nothing. So I, I had nothing. Wow. And, and then... Um, scum. I'm scum. Back to, back to my mum's house. I br- Not your scum, they're scum. No, I'm scum. I, I was <laughs> boy band trash. So then I'm back to my mum's house in... in, in in South Croydon with not a pot to, I broke up with my girlfriend so we had a flat down in Oxford and she was in a band and she was famous as well and um, went, I went home to mum with a suitcase and a portable TV and like what the fuck do I do now wow and then started um, I was working in pubs and bars and, and just to earn some was money it, to live while you were doing all this and being paid a lot was alcohol a factor was it you in the do you know what I wasn't I, when we, I was in the band we started drinking lots and doing drugs because that's what you do yeah. when you're in a band yeah. I was very anti-drugs till I was 21 and I wasn't a massive drink because I was kind of like I did but I was you know lots of other people did lots of other crazy shit and I wasn't really really that guy but then these things creep up on you and you, you start drinking more and you start doing more drugs and you start, mm. it starts Completely. to creep and creep and creep. And I think most people don't reach that creep point to a problem until they're probably in their thirties or forties. Yeah. But I kind of, I felt like I accelerated that journey by doing these crazy things in modeling or bands. Cause it's, I mean, going out when you're out with a bunch of famous people in a nightclub, everyone is off their tits. On yeah, Saturday. exactly. And it's not just one thing. It's a combination. Yeah. And Whatever it's free can, for you. Oh, yeah. And I'm getting given the all the shit. Free, the free. Everything, free. Everything is coming to me for free. Yeah, and it's, exactly. all just, it's just part of yeah. the scene. And you, can't, you, you can say kind of say no, but then you kind of get sucked into that world and yeah. then it becomes normal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you go on castings and everyone's doing something and it's yep. just normal. And there's bottles of vodka here and there's lines going on over there and that's normal. So that's quite a, that's quite a weird um, entry point into the world of work. Anyway, so then I left all this world and I never had a drink or a drug problem, but I'd been exposed and had done a, a lot. Um, but I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't have a, I need to use this as a tool. And that's my, that's why I stopped drinking recently because I was starting to use it as a tool. Mm-hmm. I never got to that point then. Yeah. Um, and then I, I, uh, I left and a friend of mine who's running a, um, uh, the training down at Virgin Atlantic said, you, you know a bit about computer stuff. And then I started getting into tech and then I set up my first business in tech, helping other people use it in business. And then, um, Sold that to my business partner, then did other things around investing in technology and in software and building technology and building businesses and, and uh, started getting into 
uh, running and building software businesses and then ended up investing with a friend of mine and then we start, set up the fund in 2018 and I've been a VC for the last five years. That was more than 60 seconds. I that think, was, so. yeah, well, I, I, I did prompt you for it and you did the last bit very quickly. I, so, so, yeah, I, I, I felt like, <laughs> like, you're sucking all the oxygen. <laughs> no, 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 because it's really, really good stuff. So, yeah, um, so cra- crazy bit. And then, and yeah. then, I mean, you know, being an entrepreneur and being a founder is, is semi because I'm unemployable, right? You can't leave that kind of life. You are definitely unemployable. I'm, or I am anyway. Yeah. Just my character. But then also having that experience and then trying to go and get a job. I'm not going to go. What point did you know you were unemployable? I didn't define it until I was probably in my 30s. Uh, did other people define it for you? Or they, did you figure it out? I'm a difficult man anyway. <laughs> I'm a very difficult person. This is anyway. why we're two peas in a pod. Yeah, exactly. And then you go, oh, I obviously I can't work for people. I'm just yeah. not. And then... Um, an independent soul. So yeah, and then you realise by nature, therefore you're yeah. a founder because you have to set up your own stuff. Yeah, and you you have to. You're think your thinking is very different. Your your process of thinking is very different. I remember this. We're, we're jumping around. Of course, we are the pair of us. But you know, um, quite a big bit you missed out there was um, I. I knew alcohol was a significant issue, and Jen had come to me and said, "It's me or the job." Yeah. Um, when I was an oil broker. And um, so I went and I said, bye. No, I didn't. I didn't do that. Um, so I, I went to my boss and said, look, I've got to quit. And he was like, well, don't quit. Have six months sabbatical and go and sort your marriage yeah, out. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I looked, I was like, wow. I went back to Jen, full pay, sabbatical. Hello. Um, and she was like, well, I've always wanted to work in South Africa because uh, she was a model as you well know. Um, and um, so she's great like then. And I was like, okay, so the rules are going to be reversed. You're going to work. I'm not. We're going to be in South Africa. I'm on full pay. <laughs> yes, let's do it. <laughs> so we head down there. Now, yeah. had I met you before? Yeah, we'd met in, we London, met in, we met in London a few times. So that was 2010. I moved there. You moved there. That's the summer of 2011, I think. Yeah. So during the winter, the, the UK winter. That's right, 2011. the winter. 2011. I'd, been there, I'd been there a year. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, I ended up there because I'd sold a business and I ended up down I ended up down in... Because I was single at the time. Well, I was single and then I met a Cape Tonian, weirdly, and then we ended up going together. But that was completely independent. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I went down for six months and ended up staying best part of five years. I just, I it's an amazing it. place, Cape Town. It's it an is. amazing place. It's, it's a great place to spend money, not make money. I mean, it's not, yeah. No one wants to work in Cape Town. You want to hit the beach and look at, look at pretty people. Yes. Um, but yeah, what a wonderful vibe. I loved it. I think yeah. it saved me. I think, I mean, I was drinking a lot when I was down there and um, I, was in, I was in a relationship with a lovely woman, but we just didn't, we weren't right for each other. And, um, and then we broke up fairly quickly after coming back after six months, we came back to the UK and they broke up and they tried to get back together and, you know, you know, Gabs. And that was, and I was drinking quite a lot then. And then drinking the misery. Yeah. That, that was, that became a problem. And then drinking and driving. And that was a dumbass thing to do. Um, I've never done that in the UK, but in, in South Africa, it was normalised. It's a bit more of a kind of a, an okay. Yeah. Well, it's not okay, but people do it. Yeah. And yeah, there you go. Oh, <laughs> there was I mean, just silly, silly, silly. All silly that crap. Shit. The silly stuff that you do. Yeah. Exactly. The risks that you take. But we would. I mean, we got down to South Africa, and um, I think we were therapy for each other. Yeah. Um, you you were certainly therapy for me. There's a lot. It was it was really good conversations and things. Like that. I mean, obviously, I was at a pretty um, pinnacle moment or change in my life, anyway, or trying to. Um, and um, I th- I, your way of thinking was just very different. Um, so the, your way of solving um, solving a problem is very think. So this is why uh, the reason why I'm bringing this up now is that you think it's normal um, for you to look at a pint of Guinness and go, "Oh, yeah, it's my last one." That is not normal, and your thinking is not normal. But your it's because you have quite a unique process of thinking, and I dare say this is why you've been so successful in business and now very successful as a VC um, is because of that way of thinking. Have you have Maybe. you have you thought about that of your way of thinking being different? And do you know where it comes from? I don't. I don't know that you can analyze yourself in that way. I don't know because I only know how I process. How I think other people. <laughs> tell me i'm an idiot <laughs> well, or, that's or i have a unique way of looking at the world but doesn't everybody have a unique way of looking at the world yeah. i mean yours is you you're, you're you have a particularly unique viewpoint um and i think anybody i mean the way that i see it is that people that change the world 
don't think like everybody else by nature because otherwise yeah, what exactly. are you changing yeah how are you changing so and it takes people to do something different i mean look, i mean look at all these i may look at the elon musks or back in the day richard branson or the jeff Bezos. or the, they sat down at one point and go no i'm gonna build rockets or i'm gonna build a solar panel company or a car company or exactly an open ai company or whatever it is yeah but that started with a I can do this better or I can think differently or I can change the world in a different way like you are with one you know be it's like yep. no, no no there's a way to accelerate that I want to change my relationship with booze or whatever substance and accelerate that timeline and that's why you're doing what you do it's like yep. yeah there's a better there's a smarter way of doing this so I don't know I can analyze it in that way um, but I'm constantly reflected that I'm I feel very quite lonely sometimes because I'm constantly reflected that I don't think like other people or I don't fit in a box. But then that's okay. Mm, yeah. The loneliness, loneliness is such a key word because lonely is one of the major drivers of a compulsive behavior. Yeah. Um, stress and loneliness, yeah. um, very key. But interestingly, <clears throat> from what we're, we're seeing these days is often the loneliness is not really the loneliness of today. The loneliness that we feel is an association with the loneliness we felt when we were a child. But don't you think it's exaggerated by modern society and oh, all the disconnection and, and everything culture? else completely? Because we think we're connected, and, but with we're our, tapping with our into smartphones, and we're just not. But but we're tapping into the feelings of what mm -hmm. we felt um, back then, and actually, half of the battle is to actually appease the feelings of of the little boy. Yeah, yeah. We're getting deep into it, um, <laughs> but <laughs> we always were. Um, the the so. Talking about your um, relationship with alcohol and this process, because obviously it was quite prevalent. You were in Cape Town for a while. Mm. You felt like you were you you were using it a bit too much, in your own words. Um, what do you think the process of change looked like for you? Um, because it it finished at the point of the Guinness, but what was the process? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, as I, I feel stupid because it was such a long period of time between going. I've got to just wouldn't listen to me. Hey, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> I've got to change my relationship with this thing, but and also, I mean, alcohol's good fun, uh, yeah, and I yeah, think I think it's worth remembering that we want we might want to change something, but for as long as we're having fun and we're having sex or we're being social or we're being able to connect, for as long as we've got this other positive side of whatever the substance is, and alcohol is weirdly so socially acceptable. Yeah, exactly. Which I think will change, but that's a different that's a topic for a different time. I think the. Um, I, I when I was young, my dad had a, my dad died when I was eleven, and he had a massive problem with booze. He was always in the pub. Oh, I mean, he, he was a. Uh, my mum raised me on her own, so I would see him on random Sundays when he could be fucked to turn up. And all we did was go to the pub. All I remember is going to the pub. And I didn't mind at the time because I was hanging out with my dad. I mean, if it meant I was going to the pub. But I do remember being kind of put outside in the garden with a bottle of Pepsi and a straw and a bag of dry roasted peanuts. And he was in getting shit face, and I'm excommunicated outside. And that hurts. Mm, and, that, yeah. and I remember. Like seeing him, but not really seeing him. Yeah. But spending time with him, but not really spending time with him. And then my mum was an alcoholic and drug um, dependent for a long time, mainly prescription drugs and some illegal, but mainly mainly prescription drugs. And put her in the priory twice and, and had to try it. Try. So I've seen, point of me say, say, sharing this, I've seen alcohol and drug and substance abuse and, 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 and kind of this kind of blinkered, like, when you're doing these things you don't think about family you don't think about you know the effect that you're having on people but i remember seeing it from the other side and then thinking well that's that's a thing and obviously that's my genetics as well that's my mum and dad so i'm therefore predisposed probably to have some kind of i don't know about the um nature nurture argument but i'm conscious that i'm probably predisposed to be some form of addict or have some kind of challenge with with substances some that was always something in the background that made me very wary but um i think there's so many and you'll be able to tell just, me this just on that you know um so children who are um um kids of addicts thank you <laughs> um or, or or made present is it, it's such a significantly higher chance of alcohol use disorder it makes sense but the greatest indicator the greatest indicator of whether somebody is likelihood uh, more propensity for alcohol use disorder later in life is the age they start really yes the younger you are the way more likely you are to um have alcohol use disorder so this whole oh you're 
12 or you're 40, have your first sip, you know, do it with a parent mm. and all that's like mm. delay that, avoid really? it. The science okay. shows us that your first sip of alcohol, the later it is, the less they'll give a shit about it. Okay. Well, science has changed. I mean, the whole thing's changing now. Your kids are how old? Two and four. I mean, alcohol will be so out of the mix by the time they're the legal age. My sense is that we are, as a society, going to change our relationship with alcohol. 100%. It just feels weird. It just feels like weird. If this liquid was invented today, <laughs> it probably wouldn't get through the border. Control. It wouldn't get anywhere. It would do. It, well, apart from where it is, which is wet wipes and 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 floor <clears throat> wipes, and yeah. and that's where it would stay. And in your car, it's just a weird thing. <laughs> it's a weird thing. And uh, and yeah. So I don't know how you become self-aware. That's what you need to do, I think. And there must be many ways to give up. We're talking about taking a drug to stop you, taking a drug to stop another drug, which feels a bit weird, but there must be lots of ways. But the only thing that that worked for me was there was always a semi-self-awareness of it. And I remember when my first son was born four years, nearly five years ago, I remember sitting down and we were setting up the fund and we just moved house and it was just, everything was stressful. And I remember sitting down and having a couple of glasses of red and then that being the bottle, and then opening up the whiskey. I love Lowland whiskey. I love the smoky whiskey. Mm, yeah, Lafroig and and, yeah. and that, that that and that crowd was always the Beaumors. That was always my drink of choice. And then I would use it as a tool. And it was then that it kind of resonated. Oh, hang on a minute. Now you're using this as a tool to yeah. take an edge off, or to change a, a mood, or a mindset, or deal with stress, or whatever it is. Yeah, and, and it was that, mostly the home thing that was getting you to think. Hang on a minute, this is. I didn't want to when my son was born, and I'm an old dad. I'm 50 now, and my kids are young, so I didn't want to not be around because my dad died when I was 11, and it was that mm. him dying, even though I didn't really know him, was transformative. That the promise of a parent that's useless or not there, I think is worse than the not being there at all. Mm. You're better off not knowing them or of them than having the promise of something that isn't because really you keep there. filling gaps yeah. and you keep, and so I kept filling gaps as to what he was or what he should be or how a dad should be. But then having your own children, you get that kind of circular view on life when you're, when you've got parents on one side and you've got kids on the other, and you're, Oh, I get this 360 viewpoint now. Yeah. Um, it made me realize I don't want I don't want to make this a big thing because otherwise you end up creating the very thing you're worried about. But I want to be around. I want to be alive and I want to be healthy and vital for my children, preferably until they're in their 30s, which means I have to live into my 80s. So you know, booze and cutting out booze and just being a bit more mindful about stuff is part of that story. Yeah. Just just to be around. So um, just for, for clarity at, at its peak. Mm. How often were you having these whiskeys and things? Like, how much were you drinking? Oh, I mean, if you looked at like um, when I started using alcohol to deal with stress, it started becoming a nightly thing. Yeah, uh, and and I'd always known that there was this potential for this behaviour. And I remember, I remember one time going home to my flat in London where my mum was staying with me when she was at one of her worst moments and I remember catching her with what she told me was a coke but it looked really clear so I had a sip and it was fucking vodka with that much coke in it I was like okay mum we've got to we've got to sort this out she burst into tears and I wheeled into the priory and the guy the entry guy was there's this kind of really weird leather-bound room and the entry man who's the manager of the priory and said, Jackie, you don't want to be around anymore. And she burst into, no, I don't want to live anymore. It's a fucking, it was hideous hearing your mum saying these things. Anyway, I'm digressing all over before the show. You, before you move on from there, I've heard the Priory, and this is on very good um, uh, information, but I've heard that the Priory has quite a strict um, entrance requirement. Um, it's a 16-digit code uh, on a credit card. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And on that, the first time I paid, the second time I was insured somehow. And I remember ringing my insurance guy, this is just going to rinse me. And I said, is there any way that my mum is insured on my policy? And she, I didn't put her on it. Is it. And this is the second entry. And, and she said, yeah, no, we can do whatever three-month programme on your policy for family members dealing with an addiction. I went, oh, my God. So it saved me tens of thousands. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, but that was that was... Uh, that was an eye opener. What were we talking about before? Because I, I don't. Um, so the volume, how much you were. Drinking. Oh yeah. So so, um, I yeah. So when it started to become a thing, I was drinking every night, and on a Friday night, I would easily do easily do the bottle of red, easily do a half bottle of whiskey, um, and I used to like cider as well. So when we were in Cape Town, it was That's a Hunter, Hunter's Dry and a Johnny Walker Red, <laughs> which is Hunter's Dry is like yeah. is like a 
semi-sweet cider um, yeah. and it was just a lovely mix it's called well. double fisting right yeah, yeah I was double fisting all over the place <laughs> uh, lucky boy and um, so I, I, I was like that one I was doing I was, I was doing <laughs> I was doing I was doing enough to get past the point of stress free to get past the point of I now feel drunk but I'm functioning but isn't life wonderful yeah. to the point of I c- have to close one eye because I can't see to get up the stairs to yeah. get into bed Yeah, and I was doing that on a regular basis I'm like oh this has got to stop Yeah, I didn't do it for long I did it for I think it was about six months three to somewhere between three and six months where I was like and I, what you're doing is robbing tomorrow's happiness and you're oh. robbing robbing tomorrow's capacity and capability to function well and think clearly mm. and i would get serious loser complex on a hangover yeah so i would drink on a friday night get absolutely bladdered and then lose saturday and sunday with my with my child yeah, yeah. Like, that's not a, that's not a way to live no well um i hate to tell you but a huge proportion of the society is living like that yeah yeah and um, it catches up with you. It yeah. catches up with you. At some point, you will have to question your relationship with booze. So, I mean, one of the things that um, I get um, um, virtually uh, through the internet stoned to death for um, <laughs> is that apparently somebody who drinks that much um, is never able to control their drinking. And this is why so much of the standard rhetoric out there... so. Um, absolute respect to AA and and um, in the wonderful lives it's changed in the world. But the science is wrong. I'm sorry. And we're here to break that science because here we are sitting with somebody who for how long went to a place where you were controlling your drinking? How? What's the question? Is it how long did I do it for how long yes well let's let's take a step back you you were from this point of very heavy drinking how did you then get to the point where you decided it was your last guinness i did um dry january mm-hmm. one year and then i and then I, I wanted to understand what this was so then i did three months and i found that three months really hard yep i remember on the last day of that three months i went out with some friends and we went out and we got absolutely to celebrate we got absolutely shit-faced and i ended up having this wonderful evening with this lovely young lady anyway but um but it was almost like I was holding on by the fingernails and the skin of my teeth to get mm. to the end of the three months. Yeah. And then I did another month sober about six months later. So it took a number of attempts to just like be aware of it and test it and try it. And it was about, it must have been, it would have been about three, a three year process. And you're talking about condensing that time cycle. Um, yeah, to eight weeks. Yeah, in my current program, <laughs> and that's that, that's the that's the right thing to do. But I, I enjoy drinking. I enjoy I enjoyed substances. That's that's what most it. people think, but you don't think that right now, sitting here. I, I mean, there's a I, part of you which enjoy still feels like it misses out on something, and this is because it's so prevalent in society. I and, do not think I'm missing out on anything now. Okay, I know that I'm not missing out on anything now. I'm a very slow learner. I'm a bit stupid and it took me a long time to uncouple my relationship with booze. It took a long time. And I think the longer you do it and yeah. it's ingrained in us from a very young age that it's completely normal, nothing to see here, move along please, everyone gets shit-faced on a Friday night. That's not normal. Yeah. No. That's not cool. But it's so normal to then to then have to self find the self-awareness piece and then challenge and question what you want to do with it yeah do i want to just drink more moderately or do i want well no that you're giving yourself a poison you're poisoning yourself that's why your body reacts in the way it does because it's a poison and i was looking out on the we've got this bar outside of here we've got all of these different flavors how many mm. we, when we were walking in well, here on the bar like there poison? there was there was 15 cabinets full yeah. of different poisons and it's just nuts yeah i would say that 100 percent of people are aware that it's a poison conceptually okay i would say that 100 percent of people are that but i think they're as aware as they are that bacon is apparently i mean the world health organization it's a class one carcinogenic up there with smoking right well, bacon isn't it's the it's the sulfur processed something processed something foods processed, and, yeah. yeah exactly so um but but the that is not enough to create change. I think we hear that message from a lot of things and there's a lot of confusion. Now, when the tobacco industry um, was a huge frontal on it for, for change, what the tobacco industry realized, investing billions in research and everything else, was that with human nature, okay, they don't have to prove that it's wrong. 
That that is not、mm. the way it works. Okay,、mm. it's not that this science is right and this science is wrong. All they have to do is inject an element of doubt, and then human nature、yeah. is that they will rely on the existing patterns in their brain.、Mm-hmm. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that if you have been sold, marketed to over decades that smoking is happy and good for you, and I mean, there's pictures of women holding a baby, smoking a camel,、mm-hmm. which says "as smooth as a baby's bottom,"、mm-hmm. right? Okay, so wrong now. <laughs> But but the point is, <laughs> it's just so nuts. So、it? nuts. But that's exactly what the alcohol industry recognised and understood. That it's more about disinformation about this. So the reason why I brought all that up is that is that one of the most powerful things of our program, the Complete Control program, is that we use a. Pretty cool device to remotely monitor people, and we showed them in absolute data that, and and it was very interesting. As one of our participants recently was like, "Well, I had the flu, and my even though I'd stopped drinking, my、um, vital signs looked exactly the same, but I wasn't drinking." Yes, because every time you drink, you're giving yourself the flu. Mm. Yeah, your immune system, your mental—it's fighting for its life. You've、mm. got an a,、yeah. an invasive um, um, virus in your body, and it's fighting. And that is what people don't realize: is that the reason why you don't sleep, you don't get the rest, and everything else is because you're effectively giving yourself the flu by having a drink. And、mm. it's only really two units. That's one one drink. Well, but、um, isn't it? I mean, for me, it was more about choosing something the other side of that because I think you you. Could have shown me all of the science and monitored me up the yin yang, <laughs> but I think and, until people and I'm generalising to lose friends until you choose the thing that's on the other side of this thing and that becomes the focus, hundred percent, and you're never going to listen, hundred percent. I think I think it's I think it's a collective of all of these things、yeah. to shift behaviour,、yeah. and that's certainly what we see. But yes, absolutely. Let's forget about all the negative and all the bits and pieces like that, and let's paint a picture of what an incredible life looks like where you're fully challenged, all aligned, and the alcohol isn't really a part of that anymore. Yeah, and that's where the ability to control comes from. But、um, so it was a three-year process for you of trial and error, doing some abstinence breaks. The ninety day was a game changer, although it was really tough. Yeah,、um, that let, then led you to this point of saying, you know, that's it, I'm done. And so, what does、um, going forward look like for you? Are you done for good? Yeah, you know I'm, done for good. yeah done for I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I, I, my, uh, my business partner. We went out the other day for like we had an, an, an away day, and he said, "I, just, I want you, I want you to have fun." I said, "But Mads, I can have fun without drinking booze." And we were playing this game. It was called Scrawl. We have to, you draw,、um, you get given a card, which which is a bit like um,、uh, what's the game where you have to you have to describe what's written on the card? Really famous Pictionary? card. Pictionary? No, no, I think it might be Pictionary. No, it's oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Old brain. Yeah.、Um, you have to draw, and then the next person has to in, interpret that. Um, I'll write write down what that is, and the next person, it's like Chinese whispers. The next yeah, person yeah, has yeah. to has to draw what you've written, and then yes, 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 has to, yes, has yeah, to write what、game. they've drawn, and then that goes down.、Exactly. It's called scroll. And I was the one that was having the most fun, laughing myself, and I didn't need a drop of booze. Yeah,、exactly. and everyone else there was drinking and having fun and doing whatever. I was, I was, I this was just, I was tickled because it was just the silly stuff that I was drawing, <laughs> to the point where I, this isn't a game, you know, I can have fun without without drinking, and、yeah. I think that's um, that that's the That's the the eureka moment that I got to was that I don't need to do this to have fun. And watching the birth of my first child gave me that almost that drug rush that I you know much more profound than ever taking any substance. So you know it's in you without the substance.、Mm. That that ability to feel that. Um, sex drive or humour or connection is in you if you just breathe it in and, and you exude it and you, you you don't need the substance to get you there. It's already it's already it's in、there. you. Otherwise, your body couldn't do it in the first、Completely. place, regardless of the substance. Completely. So、uh, that was a bit of a eureka moment.、Oh, okay,、right. I, don't, I don't need to do these things to do those things or to、yeah. feel those things.、Yeah. That that that、um, utopian feeling is in you. It's in、yeah. me already. Yeah, absolutely. So, what about?、Um, I mean,、uh, you know, talking about the founders' world. I mean, you you、yeah. you spend a lot of time with founders.、Um, as a founder myself, 
multiple times. I mean, serial failpreneur is, is one way to yeah. describe myself. Um, and uh, well, in the past, obviously, <laughs> um, is um, is I mean, this is uh, there isn't anything more stressful than building your own business. I yeah. think. Um, well, it's I mean, a maybe big there is connection to booze and, and, and drugs. Yeah. So um, and sleeping pills and all the all the stuff you can buy over the counter and you know. And you can start to very, very quickly fall into a slippery pit of coping strategy, yeah. which is not healthy. So without a doubt, there's, there'll be lots of founders out there, um, uh, well, um, using alcohol like that. Do you, you yeah. know, th- I think there's a big pressure for I founders. Did. I did. I mean, I've done that nearly every business I've started. There's been that moment where I can't make payroll or this has gone wrong or this investment plan is fucked up or something. And then there, there's the bottle of wine that rescues you and gets you out of the hole. Completely. which it doesn't but it, you know it, all it does is time time delay the, <laughs> the 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 thing that you really have to deal with so but do you see a lot of that do you i don't see a lot of that i anecdotally see a lot of it i don't see a lot of it in my portfolio i know i'm mean, I, sp- I spoke to a founder um who pitched me his idea last week who i know i can sense having been there myself has mm. a problem with alcohol i can just see it in his face Literally, I can see it in his face and I can sense it from him. Um, I know that there are founders that I work with that are drinking too much. Um, it's not... If there, anyone ever wanted to come and speak to me about anything, I would speak to anyone about anything, regardless of working with them or not working with them. And I get pulled aside. We were talking about this before, or maybe at the beginning of the podcast. I get pulled aside all the time of an evening as soon as you know everyone starts drinking and they know that I don't. Somebody, somebody would always pull me aside and ask me how I stopped or why I stopped. That's that's a, that's a standard fare. Um, do but, you think that's the only place they can do it? Because uh, uh, they can't they can't go to HR, right? If you work in any place, you can't go to HR because there's that judgment. There could be a judgment. There could be. I mean, I spoke to somebody the other day who signed up and he said, "I can't have anything about. We had to remove the OIB logo from the yeah. from the invoice because he's like, I will get immediately sacked if there's any issue with alcohol. It says, yeah. says it in my contract. Yeah, it's a weird thing. So, weird thing. do you think do you think the only place people can have a conversation is when they meet somebody who doesn't drink at a bar? Well, <laughs> I think that there is there is obviously something that happens to some people when they start getting drunk that they realise they don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't sidle me away in the corner and ask me about it. They would be off dancing and looking at boys or girls or and having fun and doing whatever they're doing. But it it happens every single time. I go out. Somebody yeah. will ask me, and it's not them just being polite and trying to say because they come over and they were talking about anything about investing or about founding or entrepreneurship. They don't. It's always about the booze, really. But you're so cool. You just reminded me that um, one of one of our founders did actually tell me that he stopped drinking because of something that I wrote on LinkedIn about two years ago. Amazing. And he said, "No, no, it was you. You inspired me." So, so, and I didn't know the, uh, that he was a, a big drinker before, and I'm not sure he's a problem drinker. But then there's, there's a line there because sometimes you're a problem drinker and you don't know it. So there's a little bit of a blur in there. But he did say to me, yeah, you inspired me to quit booze. Yes. <clears throat> also, what you've just said, that's awesome. Well done. And keep sharing the story. And that's why you're here. And thank you. Yeah. I write every, this time every year. I write, this, I write a, a repeat post on LinkedIn and other, other mediums about the relationship with alcohol and, and mm. how, how I pondered it. Not in a nagging way or in a you must do this way because we can be very sanctimonious us sober people yeah um so i don't do that and i'm going to keep nagging you about how you're pitching your passion because you 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 can sort it out you can (laughs) you can transform but it needs to be it needs to be a guide a pull rather than a push i i personally think because your Mm. passion sometimes goes the other side oh for sure Don't you worry. Um, um, more so, guidance required. But um, you've you've uh, just jumping around. I mean, um, you've built an incredible following from your wonderful um, <laughs> writing, uh, your wonderful your place. lovely lovely words. Yeah. Um, no, they are. They're good. You you put out a lot of great content that people. I mean, I've now gone back. I mentioned to a, a good friend, and he was like, "Oh, you know Dan?" I was like, "Yeah." Yeah, Dan. Well, oh wow, he's a big VC and blah blah blah. And I was like, no, he's not. He's just Dan. <laughs> yes. Do you meet him? He's a bit of a yes. knob. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could argue with you. Um, no, no, it's all good. So, um, um, founders out there, anyone, anyone listening, um, you're well worth a, um, a follow on on LinkedIn for sure because um, you do provide a lot of good stuff. Thank and you. It's really well. Every time I, I talk about booze, and I don't talk. I try not to talk about 
me and I try not to talk about personal stuff. I always try and try try to make it about them and it. Yeah. And the story and the founder that's going through X or the investment story to try and share what I, I reflect what I go through on a daily basis. But every now and then I will talk, I will say a personal story. Like yeah. when I turned 50, I wrote down, I was thinking about what, what things have I learned that I want to share with my kids that they're not going to learn in school. So I wrote down 50 things on my 50th birthday. So yes. I will do personal stuff. Um, but I try not to do that. But the, the, the alcohol one is a personal thing and I do. Yeah. And I will always get... 10 20 30 people messaging me asking me about it or who, how to get support or how yeah. to think about it or why i did Great. it or how i did it good for you some of it's because they and want you just to put them all over to me right i do of course <laughs> well, I, I, I genuinely do i genuinely genuinely do but there, some of it is really heartfelt stories where yeah, I, I went exactly. through a similar journey and yeah and, and and it's not just that they want investment or they connect they genuinely want to what well, they do want to connect but they want to connect about that yeah rather than it being a gateway to will you give me some money please mr investor yeah which does happen as well but it's that mostly it's it's a very yeah. genuine because it's a really it's a it's a big thing it's it a, is a big thing but it's also so quiet and 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 i think the truth is and i know this sounds dark but it, the truth is that everyone who's regularly drinking is suffering Right, the suffering is on a Friday, Saturday morning, or a Sunday morning. Right, is and there's a level of suffering. It might be a tiny bit of suffering. It might, but there's a level of suffering there, and I think that's that. That is reiterated, like when you're having your networking events, and the only thing people want to talk to you about is this thing, because that's the only opportunity they have to have that conversation. Yep. yep. Um, well, I'm in an investors group on WhatsApp, and um, a lot of the chat is about getting wasted or yes having a party or who's well, in as, as party. is your dad's dad's are you the kids at school yet not yet yeah but my son's at school yeah yeah so the dad's group is oh is it is it the boozy are you not in that yet no no, no. well i mean i'm in the nct dads but we go out for a car oh, yeah. three months and talk about the kids the nct dads so basically the 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 train story so the, i don't know if you've seen the 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 video of me hanging out of a train uh, 150 miles an hour um, well, it was on. It was on. That. It was on the press. It was bloody in the news. It was in the news. <laughs> you kept your hammered head. drunk, hammered drunk, hanging yeah. my head out. You weren't standing on the top of it. That That's was so. So basically, I went for lunch, um, lunch at midday with a company, I mean nameless, um, and then I mean it just carried on. And I, and at six thirty, we had all these whiskeys around. I was doing this whiskey tasting because that was my thing, and I put it down and I went. Oh my god! And looked at my phone, and I was like, "Oh, it's my first NCT class." So I literally <laughs> shot home and filmed myself going out the thing, and I arrive at this first ever NCT class like absolutely blotter. Uh, so yeah. yeah, do you remember it? <laughs> I do, I do. Do you know it's even? Here's a boob. Just, now we're talking about it, but <laughs> here's a baby. I sat fifteen people or whatever, yeah. and I sit down next to this girl here. And I go, and hello. stinking a I go, Yes. I go, hello. And she goes, oh. And I was like, oh, uh, what part of Scotland are you from? And she went, I'm from Mull. No, you're not. I know everyone on Mull. <laughs> Whereabouts on Mull? Dervig. You're not from Dervig. I was born in Dervig. There's only 30 people well? live there. And these basically, they, the, the twins, she was one of the twins that grew up on Mull. They were only there for like three, four years in my primary school. I went to yeah. primary school with this girl. No. Sitting. This is in Buckinghamshire. No way. Yeah. True. I love those stories. It was amazing. Random. Of all the... Anyway, crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess, um, have you got any further thoughts? What's your advice to somebody if they're thinking about changing their relationship with alcohol other than talk to me? <laughs> other than talk to Rue. I mean, I, I think it's kind of dangerous to advise. I think it's I think it's more powerful to just share your experience and share what worked for you. Totally. Would you, would you call that advice? Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's the same. But the um I think there are multiple ways to to think about alcohol and substances. And like I said before, it's about it's about focusing on the choice beyond. So it's not that you can't, it's that you're actively choosing something else. Yeah. So work out how to actively choose consciously the thing that's beyond you're shaking your head up. no i'm agreeing with you entirely i just think that uh, for many people that's entirely subconscious i don't they don't realize Surely that they're making your job that is to make subconscious exactly conscious that that's, is the that's job your role that is, is a job is, is just go look here you go that is the job here's you baby here's that, what's that's exactly it and had i had that and had i accepted that i think my other big challenge was being an independent motherfucker and not wanting to let people in and not wanting to share my pain and not wanting to be open about this thing that's so socially normal it took me longer because i wasn't willing to get help to just give me a call 
Well, the irony here is I'm working with a team who are <laughs> building the, the solution to it, although the, the apps and stuff wouldn't have worked for me. But um, I also, I needed to go on my own personal journey. So yeah. I think I think if I was to advise myself to go back, I, w- I would say re- reach out, connect with people. It doesn't matter that they're in or not. Just reach out and connect with trusted souls that can that can share that journey with you. Um, and get professional help. if you're if you need the professional piece then you must absolutely get the professional help and um focus focus on the thing that is that is beyond the thing that you think is the is the exactly. blocker with so um for me that was very much driven by my kids and knowing that i wanted to be around so there was something i could focus on yeah. that was out with and don't be for me, and this may or may not be the right for many. But for me, it was. It was I never made it a thing. I never made it. I've got to stop and focus on the booze, and I've got to stop. This is a problem. I've got to stop. I made it. Just understand. Just be kind to yourself, and just understand why. Why are you doing this? Why are you creating this behaviour? What is the? Just understand and and give yourself the self awareness piece, and just be kind to yourself because it's okay. If you want to go and get drunk, you go and get drunk. You know what you're doing. Be conscious about it. Yeah. And when you're ready you will just stop. Like I did. It took me a lot of poking and prodding and understanding and reading and spending time with you. And then, oh, it's now that's the moment in time three years ago, February. Now, I didn't plan that. Now, that might be different if you are, I mean, I was a problem drinker, but if you are a long term and you know there's a thing, maybe there are smarter, maybe there's some drugs, maybe there's proper professional this, and you must try everything. Just explore everything. There's no wrong answer. But for me, it was I had to get to the self-awareness piece and then I had to see beyond all of life's normal bullshit reasons to do something and actively choose something else. Yeah. That, that, they, were the, they were the unlockers for me. Nice. And the best thing about being alcohol-free? It's just, it's, just, it's just nice to spend time with the kids. It's nice to not need this thing to make me feel a thing. It's nice to have complete control of my body it's nice to know that i'm not poisoning myself it's nice to know that i don't have this weight or this um this controlling energy over me it it, it means alcohol means nothing to me anymore yeah yeah. that doesn't mean anything it's gone and that having that took about six months of being sober to go oh yeah that's that doesn't need to have that weight of a friday night hanging over me i don't need to form i don't need to do this to be accepted into that group the, all of that stuff had gone but it took a long time mm-hmm. six months is a long time to feel that feeling yeah um that's just that's just that's to be free is a is a fantastic feeling totally dan love you brother love you brother thank you for coming on the podcast always always sharing. always my pleasure never a chore <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the One Year No Beer podcast, where our mission is to share and tell the stories of the everyday heroes who are taking the steps to make a meaningful impact by changing their relationship with alcohol. If you want to join our community and find out more about the variety of benefits that you can enjoy by becoming part of our 80,000 plus members within our alcohol-free movement, then click the link in the show notes below.